Welcome to Pastors Confidential. We're Michelle and Eric Waters. Two pastors. One podcast. Here's what we're talking about today. Now we are truly starting. Now we are starting. Good morning, love. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I was better before that little introduction, but... Yes, well, you're welcome. Yes. We had to restart because mm-hmm. our first start was a little... I don't a little know crazy. How, I don't know how yeah. to say it. Anyways. Yes. Okay, well, it is... So here we are. We are in Crossways Chapter 46. Well, normally we give a little oh, recap okay. as to what's going on. Let's see I what see. is going on. Well, there's lots of stuff going on. We had a very successful uh, volunteer fair and men's retreat. Oh, the men's retreat. Yes, Yes, you weren't there because you were supposed to be in Florida. That's right. Yeah, I was supposed to be in Florida, but we ended up, uh, you know, with the ice storm, I just ended up canceling that retreat. Trip. And so I didn't go to the men's retreat myself because I'd missed the sign up. But I was talking with Matt Olson and Mark Lynn, and they said they had about 25 or 26 guys there. Um, I did read the book. You know, they they had a local uh, Lutheran author um, based out of San Antonio, a Missouri Synod author. And so they invited him to come up and teach about his book on spiritual warfare. Great book. One of the best I've read. Mm. Um, so I wish I could have been there because, I mean, it was a fantastic book. And I think it would have been a wonderful It's called retreat. Equipped. Equipped. It's about Ephesians 6. You know, put on the armor of God. Mm-hmm. And what did you tell me about the distinction he makes in spiritual yeah, warfare? Yeah, a very, very helpful distinction. It was very early in the book. He says, so spiritual warfare is war for your spirit, which I thought was really helpful because we tend to think of spiritual warfare as being you know, super normal or uh, supernatural or paranormal, that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, which, you know, it can be, mm-hmm. but when it really comes down to it, it's it's war for your spirit. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, a lot of it is is fought um, on the interior of our psyche. And so, for example, you know, how you feel about yourself, the kind of things you say about yourself, oh. feelings of guilt, shame, regret, failure, things that you fixate on. I see. Uh, it's, it's really kind Makes of... Makes sense. It, it's more where you set your mind and your heart and your emotions uh, than you know, uh, demon-possessed people sure. crawling up and down walls, that kind right. of stuff. Which also happens. Which also happens. But it, but, but it's, it was, it was a very helpful distinction to me because, I, um, you know, I, I've, I think I've shared several times I'm, I am a melancholy sort of guy. And so a lot of times, I know you have helped me over the years to not walk in so much defeat. But, <laughs> um, but you know, a lot of times my, my interior monologue... Yes, uh, Enneagram 1. Yes, my, my interior monologue is fairly... Uh, uh, brutal and bitter and depressing mm. uh, and so it, it's it's nice to recognize that you know some of that is perhaps wiring you know how, okay. how i am sure but a good deal of that too is is the flesh mm-hmm. uh and then especially how the devil plays on your flesh like uh, playing on a harp or playing on a, oh, a guitar yeah you know he, he sings a tune to drive you away to drive you into despair and so you got to be cautious of that um and fight against it so mm. it's been very very helpful good yeah yeah okay well Anyways, that's too bad you couldn't be there, but yeah, you were supposed to be gone. Um, and so let's see what else we've got. We had that. We had a great volunteer fair. Yep, volunteer yeah, fair went well. I haven't heard the numbers yet, but I mean, all the <clears throat> ministry leaders I saw walking out had smiles on their faces, so that's mm-hmm. a good sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had that, and of course, you know, we've extended a call to uh, the pastor, Rob Weber, and we're mm-hmm. waiting to hear back from him. Yep, we'll hear back probably next week. Yeah, so he has two weeks, and I have a feeling he'll probably take the full two weeks. Mm-hmm. So that would be not next Sunday, but hopefully like a week from today, you know, okay. Monday or so. I expect to hear from him. Okay. Um, yeah, so. Not much going on. It's just kind of late January for our family, not much going on. Although I have a women's retreat on Saturday. You do. Big yes, deal. I'm very excited. you got like 75 women signed up or something. Yes, it should be a good day. That's awesome. Yes. And, you know, speaking, I'm, I'm still in my melancholy. Oh, are life, you? Yes. 
because uh, it's you know it's a grim day out there. Uh, yes, and then I, I got to relive a boyhood trauma last night when my Buffalo Bills mm. once again it was wide right. The field goal was wide right, and we lost the game. Yeah, so you and the boys were over at your mom's watching yeah. that. And, you know, it's been kind of a not a great year for our family in football. Ohio State, oh my gosh. No, horrible. Well, Bernie, you know, Bernie, Bernie the Bernie the High School did not make it as far as they um, should have. Ohio State first lost to Michigan, which is bad enough. Um, and then just laid an egg in the Cotton Bowl. Um, and then, you know, the Cowboys uh, were defeated last week. Uh, the Bills were defeated on this, like... <laughs> All I, of our teams down. I mean, I, I can't believe the, the field goal went wide right again. Right. Uh, well, I heard there was, like, lots of um, wind. And... Oh, there was. I mean, you know, I, I don't blame the kicker. Yeah. Because it was a 40-yard field goal, stiff wind. I mean, it's... Right, that's you know, pretty tough. It's tough conditions, but just, it's like, it, it replays this uh, this famous scene from uh, the Super Bowl where the, the Bills were favored to win. They were lined up to... Score the field-winning field goal, uh, game-winning field goal, and went wide right, and we lost. And that was the first of four Super Bowls we lost. So okay, well, <sighs> the trauma, the trauma. Okay, well, with that, let's get into the good news, which is the Gospel of Luke. That was a good segue, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so we are in Crossways forty-six, and you know there are four Gospels. We are now on our third one, Luke, Gospel of Luke, um, the halfway point. Well, I, I guess we are on the second part of Luke. Yeah. Wait, so we won't do Luke... This was the second part? I thought... Yes, I think you're right. Is that correct? No, I think we have Luke again next week. I think you are correct, my little love. Yes. Yes, Luke chapter 1, so I, I have to fix my notes. Oh, my goodness. Yes, uh, so this is the first part of Luke, Luke 1, right? Okay. Okay. And just to note, Luke was like the only non-Jewish writer. <coughs> is that right? Yeah. <coughs> oh, boy, Excuse we me. still have cedar fever going on yes. here. Uh, yeah, bit. and so Luke was um, Luke was a Gentile, uh, Luke the physician, mm-hmm. uh, and his Greek is excellent. So right. you know, in, in especially compared to uh, Matthew and Mark, uh, his Greek is excellent. So he was a, a, a native Greek speaker. Okay, um, and he wrote uh, really a two-volume series. Mm-hmm. Luke is volume one, Acts is volume two. The two of them ought to be read together. Yep. Uh, and in volume one, Jesus really volume one really focuses on Jesus' mission to. Uh, his fellow Jews, you know, the God's chosen people. And then volume two really focuses on the apostles' mission to the Gentiles. Right. But there are some, you know, there, there is some overlap. And so Luke, more than any of the other Gospels, Luke really does emphasize uh, that Jesus' outreach to the Gentiles. Now, again, he kind of holds off on, he really holds off on it for volume two, the book of Acts. But he does kind of give a hint of where he's going. Yeah. Well, even uh, the first the first part of the book of Acts is to the Jews, and then and then it branches off mm-hmm. later too. So, okay. Um, yes. Okay. Very good. And then we uh, we spent a lot of time talking about Luke's nativity story. Yeah. And so there's a couple ways of talking about this. I, I'm, now I'm always a little hesitant to talk about what Harry Wendt calls the real Christmas story. Right. right. Uh, because he's right. I mean, when you actually look at what the Bible says and what history was was like, the real Christmas story is probably different from our traditional Christmas story. Right. Uh, but I don't want to be a, a Grinch. You know, I don't want to... Uh, spoil the Christmas story. Right, spoil the Christmas story for people, right? Right. Um, so I think what we'll do is I'll kind of do a shortened version of what we did in class. We'll sort of walk through the Christmas story as we, t- as we think of it, and then we'll look at what the Bible actually says, and we'll see that these two things don't always line up. But then I'll kind of, um, hopefully at the end, bring it all together. Right. Exactly. uh, And so the first thing, you know, uh, there's only two Gospels that tell the Christmas story, Matthew and Luke. Um, And Luke's Christmas story is is fairly brief. 
you know, Luke's Christmas story has the angel appearing to Joseph saying, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. So he does. And she has a baby. And then the wise men show up and they go to Egypt and they come back out of Egypt. You know, so no, that's Matthew's Christmas that's Matthew, story. Right. You just said Luke. Oh, well, that's Matthew. Yeah, Luke is, Luke's Christmas story is long. Luke's is yes, very long. Yes, Matthew's is the short one. Right. Luke's takes, you know, a good um, two chapters of yeah. his of his gospel. Yes. Um, but one thing is, you know, we think of, uh, so in the traditional version, you know, we, we think of um, Mary and Joseph. So, you know, a decree went out in Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And so, you know, Joseph goes and he gets his donkey and he puts a very, very pregnant Mary on the donkey. Right. And then the two of them um, ride the 80 or 90 miles from uh, Nazareth in the north to Bethlehem in the south. And they pull into town, but, you know, lo and behold, there's no room at the inn. Mm. Uh, there's no vacancy in town because everybody's packed there for the census. Uh, and so, you know, they have to, to go look for a place to uh, a place to spend the night. And in the nick of time, you know, Joseph finds a stable or a barn or a garage or something like that. You know, he finds a stable. Uh, and then he, uh, and that's where Mary delivers the Christ child. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after delivering the Christ child, first the, the shepherds appear talking about the, the angels who have appeared to them. Uh, and then the wise men show up bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? So that's right. kind of the traditional Christmas story. Um, and as I shared in class, it's one that, you know, we, I mean, that's that's what we present basically every single Christmas at our Christmas program. Right. Every church with the um, children usually yeah. dramatize it in that way. Yeah. And, you know, I've preached on that many, many times mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at what the Bible actually says... You have your Bible there? I do. Okay, it's Luke chapter 2. Okay. All right. So I think it's Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through, I don't know, 4 or 5. But if you can just read the first part where they're, they're headed from Nazareth to Galilee. Okay. Right here? Mm-hmm. Okay. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. You keep going. Okay. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, she, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Oh, that's interesting. I know. It I just says I don't, guest room. I don't like yeah. that, actually. But yeah, it should be. <clears throat> so a couple of things. You know, if you notice, uh, it says that, um, and, and so uh, so Joseph also went to be registered with, with Mary, his betrothed, mm-hmm. who was with child. Uh-huh. And while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered. Exactly. Uh, but it doesn't tell us how pregnant Mary was. You know, it's, it's a nine-month process. Yeah, uh, a and, ten. A lot of well, times it's ten. Or a ten-month process. Uh, and so, you know, it doesn't tell us. It, our, our picture is, you know, Mary is just about ready to pop. She's mm-hmm. like, you know, eight months and... That's 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 not what happens at all. Moreover, there's no mention of a donkey, mm. right? Um, and so the, the donkey, as we dramatize the story, it helps us because you know a very pregnant Mary can't walk that far as you put her on a donkey. Put but there's no donkey. mention of a donkey. Okay. We're not told how pregnant Mary is, just that she is pregnant. Right. That they traveled to Bethlehem, and then once they were there, at some point, she gave birth. To so you mean Jesus. you're trying to say that she could have been there for a while? Right. They so maybe she could were have staying been, for a while. You know, she could have been in her first trimester. Uh, and then they, you know, they walk or otherwise travel to Bethlehem and then they're there for a few months. And while they're there, then okay. the time comes for her to be okay. delivered, right? Possibly. That's a possibility. <clears throat> so it's a possibility, right? Um, so that, that's one thing. Uh, another is this word about the, um, um, uh, about the, the, the inn, the Cataluma. So again, the, <coughs> excuse me. So the image we have 
is uh, you know they pull into town and uh, town is packed and there's no vacancies in any of the hotels, mm-hmm. and so they have to you know go around back and, and give birth there. Um, but the word that that Matthew uses is actually uh, not in, I N N. That's that's a word he does use, uh, and that word Matthew will use later on in Luke chapter. I'm sorry. Are I'm, you talking about Luke or Matthew? I know. I'm always. I know you're having stuff. so much problems. I'm wearing my first cup of coffee. Oh my so. gosh! Yes. Okay. Okay. The word the word Luke uses um, for in he he does use that word later on in Luke chapter ten in the the Good Samaritan. Okay. So you remember the Good Samaritan? You know he picks up um, the man. He puts him on a donkey. Yeah. So Luke tells us that man does have a donkey. Okay. He puts him on a donkey, takes him to the inn, and then he gives the innkeeper two coins uh-huh. and says, you know, take care of him. I'll be back. Right. Um, so Luke knows that word and Luke uses that word, but that's not the word Luke uses here. Uh-huh. Um, and moreover, it's highly unlikely that uh, that Joseph and Mary would have stopped at an inn anyway, uh, because inns in those days were not like you know the Holiday Inn or the Best Western. Uh, they were more like what we would think of as a roadhouse. Mm. Uh, so it was just literally like a stopping point on the side of the road, um, and it was always on a Roman road. While there was no Roman road in Bethlehem, it's a small town. You know, there's oh. no highway that goes through. It was always on a Roman road, and they were kind of rough places, uh-huh. uh, places where, you know, travelers would stop for the night, um, and then there was, you know, there was wine, there was women, there were songs, so not mm. really kind of the place that you'd stop and, and take your wife. I see. Um, You're very pregnant, or somewhat you know, pregnant wife. Or, or somewhat pregnant yes, wife. Yes, got it. So those are two things. Not only does he not use the word in, but there wouldn't have been an inn. So that's inn maybe why this Bethlehem. version used guest room. Right, and so the, the word he actually uses is cataluma, which mm-hmm. means guest room mm. and so so, uh, and so luke uses this uh th- this word appears three times in the gospels okay uh twice in uh luke and then once in uh mark and the other two times it's translated as guest room or upper room uh and so the, the context for that is on monday thursday when jesus tells his disciples go and prepare the passover um and you know what was the phrase go uh I'm blanking. Yeah, he says to his disciples, uh, oh, you know about the upper room? Yeah, you know, where, where I they, know. They, they, um, you want to look it up for us? Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's in Luke, I think, 21 or 22. I'm blanking, but I don't like have stuff memorized Luke the way you do. Luke 22, 11. Luke 22, 11. Yeah, Luke 22, Let's 11. find it. Sorry. Okay, 22, 11 says... Uh, the teacher asked, where is the guest room where I may eat the go. Passover with my disciples? Right. And so he sends his disciples in. They go find a man carrying a water jar. They say, the teacher says, where is the guest room? Where's the kataluma? Yeah. Or the upper room where I may go and um, celebrate Passover with my disciples. So this is the word, right? This is the word that, that, uh, that Luke uses for the nativity story, kataluma. Got it. And it means guest room. It means, or, or upper room, it could mean. And the idea is that uh, Palette, um, Jewish homes uh, and homes in the Holy Land, um, they were fairly modest affairs. Mm-hmm. There would be a main living area where the family would live. Um, but then there was also, and that was often up on a raised platform of a couple of feet. Mm-hmm. But then there was a smaller area where, um, uh, where, where animals were brought in for the night. Yeah. Uh, partly to keep them safe, so that you know sheep rustlers didn't rustle them, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Partly to keep them safe, but in the winter time to to help heat the house. Uh, and so you had this this platform where the family would live and sleep and, and work and do their thing, and then below it you'd have this this uh, kind of recessed area where the the animals would be brought in and out. 
Um, and often dug into that raised platform would be um, basins or troughs mm. or mangers. I see. For, so the animals could eat and drink when they were brought in for the night. Now, if the family had some means and some money, uh, they would build a cataluma. That is a second room or a guest room or an upper room uh, for entertaining guests and friends. Or maybe as a family grew, they just needed more space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is what, what Luke says, is that when they got there, there was no room in the Cataluma. Mm. So presumably, someone else, you know, some other relatives uh, had got there ahead of them. And remember, you know, Bethlehem's a small town. I mean, it's not like Bernie, you know, it's not 20,000 people. No, it's at this probably, point. Yeah, Bethlehem was probably only uh, 200, 300 people. Right. So kind of everybody knew everybody else, and everybody was related to everybody else. And so when Mary and Joseph pulled into town... And they said, "Hey, you know where your second cousins marry? Like, right. you know, they're not going to send them packing. They're no. going, oh, come on in. You know, my family member. They're, they're yes. very hospitable culture. And it seems like in this case, some other relations had beat them to it, and you can't kick those people out of the guest room. No. So they said, well, why don't you, you know, stay down here with us in the in the, in the main room? Uh, and it's while they were there that the time came for her to be delivered, and so presumably the men, you know, left, and then uh, Mary gave birth in the house." Uh, and looking for a place to lay to lay the child, they laid him in the manger in the trough. Right. Okay. And actually, this point is made when you visit the Holy Land. This is what the guides will also tell you. This is not just Harry Went. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Because okay. Rami, our, our guide, made a definite point to say that there's no way Mary and Joseph weren't welcomed into someone's home because mm-hmm. of, like you mentioned, the culture, the welcoming culture, and the fact that they knew people there, the fact right. that Bethlehem was small. And so he said it would definitely be in one of these homes in the where the animals were. Right, right. So, <laughs> excuse me. <coughs> so, uh, with that in mind, it's um, you know it's kind of a bummer, kind of a downer, because it really kind of pokes a hole in some of the things that we that we cherish and know and love. Well, uh, okay, yes. And so what I try to do is I say, okay, well, there, there's two there's two ways of looking at it. So. Uh, the way that Rami, the mm-hmm. tour guide, and Harry Wynn talk about it was probably historically accurate. Right. Uh, but there's also a theological accuracy, which yes. is what a traditional Christmas story is about. Yes. And so the theological accuracy, you know, perhaps it's not historically true, but it, it makes the point. And so Mary and Joseph, you know, Jesus came into their lives and he it, that was pretty inconvenient. I mean, you know, Joseph was ready to divorce her, but he decided not to. And live the rest of his life with all the scandal. Mm-hmm. You know, Mary lived the rest of her life with people looking at her saying, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I bet it was God's son. Right. You know? I mean, that's pretty inconvenient for them, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's kind of like the inconvenience of having to get on a donkey and ride when you're eight months pregnant. Right. Uh, moreover, you know, the world did reject them. And the world mm-hmm. rejected Jesus. He came to his own and his own people did not know him. There right. was no there was room, room for them in the inn, so mm-hmm. to speak. They were rejected. They mm-hmm. weren't told to, to go off behind. Uh, Jesus was born in poverty. Perhaps not born into a barn, but he certainly was uh, was not born as uh, as a majestic king. He, right. was, he was born into poverty, born mm-hmm. into to low circumstances, uh, hard circumstances, and so he was kind of born in a stable, so to speak. Right. Uh, and then, moreover, you know, it's, it's really to Saint Francis in the in the twelve hundreds. It's to Saint Francis that we owe this idea of the the, the manger scene or okay. the creche. And Francis put that together as a way of preaching the gospel message. Uh, to people who couldn't read the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, because it takes all of these different figures and it puts them into one scene, into one tableau. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, historically, that's not what happened, right? Well, I mean, okay, probably not. I mean, probably not, because basically, it, 
the the story we preach on on Christmas or the children's program dramatizes whatever is a conflation of exactly. of Matthew right. and Luke. And so the, I mean, right. there it's not like it's all made up after no, the fact. No. And some of it might have been handed down after the fact. Right. But basically, you know, it's not pulled from nowhere. No, it's it's not just made up. Yes. No, no but um, but we we kind of pull together Matthew and yes. Luke and and. Uh, and we, uh, we 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 play with the timeline to make it all kind of come together, got it. right? Mm-hmm. And that that really we owe to, to Francis, uh, to Saint Francis. Mm. And so you know you've got uh, the child born in the manger, and then there's the shepherds and the wise men. It all happens like boom, 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 okay. boom, boom. You know, right. it's probably not what actually happened, but it it, it makes the theological point that you know Jesus was uh, was born. Uh, he was rejected by his own people. Isaiah, God says in Isaiah, the ox knows his master, the donkey his owner's manger. But Israel does not know me. My own people do not understand. Mm. And then and here we have in the manger scene, we have the ox and the donkey looking on to the birth of Jesus Christ mm. while God's own people uh, ignore him mm. and send him packing. Very nice. So I, I, I always try to redeem the theological meaning yes. because it's true. Yeah. It's just true in a different way. True it's in accurate, a different way. But accurate in a different way. Very nice. So, yes. Very good. Um, now you know. Now you know. Right? Now you know. And so uh, we're, we've gone kind of long here. Yeah, we don't make, have to. This uh, is, can be enough. No, I just want to make yes. one other point. Okay. Which is that you mentioned, you know, things that were handed down. Mm-hmm. And so Luke begins his gospel by saying, you know, inasmuch as many have undertaken to write an account of the things that have uh, occurred among us. You know, I myself have done my research and looked at all these things and interviewed eyewitnesses. And here's my account. Right. Uh, and tradition tells us that one of the eyewitnesses whom Luke interviewed would be Mary, the Virgin Mary. Oh, yes, like the Chosen uh, shows. Like the Chosen, exactly. So that's based on an ancient church tradition. Uh, and it's also why Luke's gospel uh, really focuses on Mary's story. Mm-hmm. Matthew's focuses on Jesus, on Joseph's, but Luke's gospel focuses on Mary's story. And it's in Luke's gospel that we're told some things that we don't have in any of the other gospels. Like, for example, um, you know, the, the story of of uh, Joseph and Mary taking Jesus to the temple and meeting mm. Simeon and Anna, mm-hmm. or, or the, the boy Jesus getting lost and left behind yep. uh, in Jerusalem. And so tradition tells us, you know, Luke knows those because Mary told him. Very nice. Yeah, so. it's very nice. So that's Luke. It's a, yeah. it's a lot, but I really enjoy that kind of stuff. You know? Yeah. And we will continue on with Luke next week. It will con- Luke part two next week. Luke yeah. part two next week. Is there any reading assignment? You know what? There I don't think. Certainly is. Oh, Let yeah. me take a look. Maybe you said something at the end of class. Uh, well, you know, in the book, I said read chapters forty-seven A and F. Oh yeah. So there's no L, scripture. Yeah, a and F. Um, but we're looking at uh, ten chapters of Luke, the famous road to Jerusalem passage. So it's kind of too much to really read in one setting. Yeah. But, okay. All right. Very good.